Alright, hello and welcome to another episode of the Longwood Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You listen to myself, Albert. And as always, I'm joined by my brother Barney. How you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, I'm alright, man. I'm I'm very, very I know I say all the time, but at this time I am very, very, very tired. Um my daughter's been waking up at like four thirty. Um I had a big two hour training session after work and today. Um so I'm, I'm feeling knackered I, and I've got myself, well, usually when we do this pod, you know, I, I usually have a, a LucasAid on the go or um, a GlucasAid, the Euroshopper equivalent. <laughs> um, tonight I've gone for the LucasAid Zero Sugar, which for the first time I <laughs> doesn't seem to be having the same effects. Um, but I've just, I literally just had the thought, Albert, um, I feel like, you know, in the Premier League or... I feel like we see there's always like the loose aid sports going around. There's some, quite often you, I think you see gels a fair bit like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like in Portugal, I can't think of I've seen any of that business. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's right or I don't know. There's more about the water. There's I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the, the healthier lifestyle in Portugal and they don't have the, the need for it. It's a fair point. No, it's a fair point. I think I have seen it. I feel like they need to bring something like that out for, uh, Football podcasters, as well as well, though you know, doing a uh, a, a, a football podcast once a week, t- hardest job in the world. But um, <laughs> someone's got to do it. Um, well, look to cheer you up, Barney. I've got some good news for you. Um, I don't know if you know this, but it's a special podcast for us. We are celebrating our one hundredth episode, uh, which I think is a pretty amazing achievement. I don't think when we started this, we ever thought that we would get to a hundred episodes. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I know you said we've said this a few times already, but um, we might, might have a few new listeners, but um, who haven't maybe you should even clip in a little recording of our first ever episode. But we're saying, oh, like, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, it's amazing. I, I never, you know, who would have thought when we started we'd, we'd be doing it this long and and uh, how fun it's been. It's been amazing. It's been amazing, and of course, the reason that we're still doing this a hundred episodes later is because people like yourselves at home continue to listen. Which still blows my mind that that people listen to this, and we're incredibly grateful for for everybody's support. Um, we've been trying to do a lot of things this season to build a bigger community around the podcast, and uh, we're so so happy with the engagement we get with all the shows on on social media and and the comments people leave us. Just this week, we had a couple of really special comments that people left uh, as reviews on Apple Podcasts, which was really nice. So. Um, yeah, we're really appreciative of 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 everyone listening, and thank you for helping us get to a uh, hundred episodes. Um, there's there seem to be a lot of announcements these days uh, on the podcast, but uh, we got another one this week. Um, hopefully, one that the listeners at home will uh, appreciate, uh, and that's because we're doing our first ever long ball football giveaway. And when me and Barney talked about doing a giveaway, we thought, oh, you know, what could we do? Maybe we could do some, you know, Liga Portugal stickers or some kind of uh, small thing, but we decided screwed up we're going to go big with our first ever giveaway so if you would like to win yourself the Primera Liga football shirt of your choice then go over to our Twitter page there's a pinned tweet on there and there's ways that you can win a Primera Liga football shirt of your choice from the team of your choice uh, and that's over on Twitter if you want to get involved uh, give yourself a chance to win Barney unfortunately we can't enter ourselves Yes. Um, but if you were to win, what shirt would you go for? Well, I was going to say there are there are right answers to the what what would you like, <laughs> aren't there? Um, 
you very kindly sorted me out with a, a passless home kit, which is a it's a right answer. Um, I, I'm quite like the Santa Clara way. I mean, the Shabs home kit. There's plenty mm-hmm. out there, man. Um, There's some wonderful choice, and of course, we we were happy to get quite literally any shirt that is available on the League of Portugal dot net store, and they have, I believe, every single team from the top two divisions. They may even have some teams lower than that as well. I'm not sure, but there is um loads of choice out there if you want to get involved. What would you go for, Albert? Tough one. I'm tempted by Gilbert sent home. The red with the subtle details on. I do I've, really I've like that. I've got that, mate. I've got the Samuelino printed. Barney's got the Samuelino printed. <laughs> well, if you want to enter the competition, head over to our Twitter page. It's a very simple competition. It's a classic like and retweet situation. But there are some other ways that you can gain extra entries if you want to give yourself an edge over everybody else. Uh, two of the main ways that you can do that. One, by leaving a review to this podcast on Apple Podcasts with five stars and a written comment to go with it. If you send us a screenshot of that, you will earn yourself two additional entries. Uh, and not only that, but if you sign up to our new Long Ball Football Patreon page, you will get a massive three extra entries uh, to the competition. So I believe there is a possible six bonus entries up for grabs if you head over to our Twitter page. So you could have seven entries to the competition if you follow uh, every single step. But of course, if you just want to head over there and give us a like and a retweet on that post, you're in with a chance of winning yourself a uh, football shot of your choice. So please do go and get involved in that and uh, good luck to everybody uh, that enters. But of course, we need to get on with it, Barney, uh, because it was... A pretty crazy weekend in the Premier League, I think. There were multiple games which had some kind of craziness going on. We had two games with six-plus goals. Even in the Braga game, there were eight goals. We had games with touchline antics. We had games with VAR drama. Um, So there's plenty to get into on this episode. We're going to try and cover all of the big stories. Uh, And we're going to start, as we always do, uh, at the top of the table, which means with Benfica, and it was a massive 5-1 win for them away at Portimonense, and it was a win that puts them just one win away from the title. Uh, they've set themselves up uh, for the mouth-watering prospect of not only winning the league next Sunday, but doing it away at their eternal rivals, Sporting's Stadium. They had that little dip in April in form. Everyone got a bit excited about whether the, the title race was back on. They've weathered that storm. They've put some big results together recently. I think with this win, they have put themselves within touching distance of that title. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's it's, it's really interesting now, sort of, now that that dip that you mentioned there seems to be a, a thing of the past. Um, they, they, they've seemed to have come completely come out the other side of that in terms of their performances. And and, and this was a, a really good performance from Mavik. I I'd saw that Rui Costa had been talking about um, this uh, last week, and, and and of course, this is sort of the usual stuff you expect to see. But you know, it's a lot of taking it one game at a time, uh, not thinking about any sort of cele- uh, league celebrations. You know, really drilling in those players needed to be focused. And I think this was a performance of of just that. You know, this was a, a just an incredibly dominant display from 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 Benfica. I think I think Portman sort of. Allowed Benfica to to come onto them so so aggressively. Uh, I, 
you know, Palace had sort of done the, the unthinkable. I thought there was a sort of a tactics revolution when he went out with a six-three-one formation earlier this season, <laughs> but this seems to be a, a six-two-two. Um, <laughs> and uh, but to be fair, they did still try. Um, you know, they they were still pushing up themselves. Uh, but, but but you know, the, the point I'm trying to make up is that it did seem very easy for Benfica to have so many players up, just keeping possession outside of Portman and his box, and and perhaps they were. A little fortunate for their first goal, you know, um, the, the sort of the confusion. Uh, I, I think a few of us had that moment of realization that there's no goal line technology <laughs> in the Portuguese league. It was a pretty close call, perhaps not over the line. Um, but like I said, Benfica just kept going and going and going, and uh, they they really did look like the the better team in this one. It, it seemed to be that it was, it was only going to go one way. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. It was it was a bit of a walkover in the end. You know, Portsmouth didn't put up much opposition. To be honest, I don't think there's point in any really analysing every goal from the game. Obviously, as you said, the opener was a little bit contentious about whether the ball was fully over the line. I haven't quite made my mind up myself. My instinct at the time was that it was a good save. I didn't think it crossed the line, but um, the referee referred to the linesman's call on that. Worth bearing in mind, Barney, that. Um, the Premier League may not have uh, goal line technology, but in the world of football, goal line technology has been in use since the 2014 World Cup, uh, nine years ago. So, so no rush, obviously, uh, League of Portugal to get that uh, implemented. Obviously, in the end, fortunately, that didn't matter towards the result, that contentious goal. Um, the most important goal of the game for me, Barney, came from Gonzalo Ramos. Um, really important for him to get back on the score sheet and not just get back on the score sheet, but do it in a way that I would almost describe his goal as the archetypal Gonzalo Ramos goal. Um, you know, great movement and a great finish. Uh, I think that, that goal is going to be so important for him. I mean, the the, the chop he did just before the finish was, mm. um, yeah, just, it's interesting because it shows, it shows you a player of confidence, right? And, and, and I think perhaps I've questioned his confidence of late, you know, in, the, in terms of his, his form not being... As as good as it once was, but um, he had an excellent game, and 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 actually that 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 came after the Pedro goal for Portland ends, and so at that point, you know, like we've said so many times in the last few weeks, you know, the, the doubts might have crept in. They could have Benfica could have felt a bit of pressure, but you know, he got them back on track, and 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 he was, you know, he was he was good as well in other areas of the game. You know, he was he was he was a, a almost as I think of Portland as his backline as being quite. Quite physically dominant, and um, but but you know, Conor held up his held his own and and just caused him all sorts of problems of his his runs and his physicality. It was it was a great game for him to to come back and and um, and, and get a goal with. I, I, I'd like to talk about Jao Neves again now, but I, I saw an interesting uh, tweet by someone sort of that they they were basically comparing him to Jao uh, Felix and then Renato Sanchez and sort of a. a Sort of suggesting you know like a young player coming into the Benfica team and having a huge effect. Um, I, 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 that's perhaps a, a massive overstatement because he's only started like the last was it three or four games. But the, but then I also think there is some truth to it, right? Because the the midfield with the departure of Enzo Fernandez in January was was the real area where they they needed work. You know, they brought Chiquinho in, who's, who's who's been excellent, but you know he's not a an, an incredible player. Florentino we thought was a um, 
who's been so good for Benfica, but perhaps he's quite limited in what he he offers from that midfield position, right? Perhaps more defensively inclined. And but Jaron Neves is just it, it, it's given them a, a, another rhythm, if, if that's the right phrase to use. You know, it, it, there's some there's a bit more to them, a bit the the, the passing the the momentum he brings and sort of getting balls out wide and, and his technical ability. It's just, it's, it's easier. I, I, I feel like we're going to keep talking more and more about him, you know, similar to how we did when Antonio Silva burst onto the scene, right? He, you know, this, this is, uh, it's, it's really hard to quantify the, uh, how, how good this young player is, if you know what I mean. But it, it, I think it's, it's, it's always evident from his, his recent performance. I think every every young player, or well, at least Antonio Silva, as, as as a good comparison, has that moment where they're brought into the team and they start doing well, uh, and then if they continue to have the opportunities and it keeps going well, then they break through from being that promising young player who's filling in to actually being a serious name in the squad or in the starting eleven. Antonio Silva has really pushed through that barrier. He's now almost a certain starter for Benfica. It's almost a shame for Joao Neves that the season is ending so soon because I feel like he won't get that moment this season where we start to say, yes, this is the man that should be starting every game. He's done brilliantly since he's come in. Um, And I think Roger Schmidt as a manager will be a little bit more cautious with how he he brings in players like Joao Neves. So I think next season is going to be a big season for him. Um, it will be really interesting to see what players, if any, Benfica bring into that central midfield position because I'm sure before he started performing in the way that he did, that was a key position that they were going to look to to reinforce. But now that he's playing the way he is, I wonder if that will kind of cause a few few a few conversations upstairs at Benfica, shall we say? I mean, perhaps we're talking about next season. It's been interesting to see news that Grimaldo signed a contract with uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Um, mm. uh, for a moment, I thought he might, you know, uh, sign a contract extension with Benfica. He's had a obviously a, an incredible season. It's worked really well under Schmidt. Been a big player for them. Um, uh, Bayer Leverkusen. I perhaps thought he could have gone on to bigger, better things than Bayer Leverkusen. Um, so yeah, that, there's obviously going to be need for well both both sides of the defense, you know, right back and left back improvement in the summer for Benfica. But it'll be a shame to see him go. But he's been a great player and one I've really enjoyed watching over the past three seasons. Yeah, really interesting move. Really interesting move. Um, I think a lot of people had that same assumption as you that that he would go to a bigger club. Perhaps I did as well. I think people were thinking about Barcelona. I know there's been on and off links with play, uh, clubs like Manchester City, PSG. So while there is surprise, you know, I I, I wonder how many of those big offers materialized and it well obviously it now looks like none of them did which i think is, is is when you think about it probably quite realistic barcelona have probably said well we need to spend our limited resources elsewhere i think for clubs like manchester city and, and psg they will always be interested in a player like grimaldo but ultimately i think um they will probably look from for a different for a different options so when when he i would be interested to see what other clubs came in for him with solid offers but i think it's worth uh, remembering that Xabi Alonso is the manager of of Bayer Leverkusen and i think that connection to him um and the connections that he will have to the Spain squad will be big because you know we know how important it is to Grimaldo to he's not played for the Spain national team which almost seems bizarre considering how good he's been um so i think that'll be important and you know we don't follow German football. I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't. I'm sure one or two follow it much closer than we do. But I gather that Bayer Leverkusen are 
are a project, shall we say, and they are consciously looking to sign quality players um, to push them up the table and, and to go further in Europe. So, you know, while on paper we might have expected them to go into a bigger club, I think in, at the end of the day, it's probably not um, that surprising that this is the type of move that Grimaldo's had rather than a, a, a top club. Um, it was interesting to see some of the quotes that he said upon signing the two that really stuck out for me. The main one was that he said quite openly, um, you know, I'm excited by the prospect of of playing in a more competitive league than the Portuguese league. And I think no matter what the size of the clubs we have in Portugal, like Benfica, Porto, Sporting, um, that competitiveness uh, and I think the general standard of the league will always be a big draw for 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 players in this league to to move abroad. Basically, I think we should also mention that the, the two goals of Peter Musa. Um, you know, he's he's done that all season. Come off, come on, and and, and been effective. He's got he's got goals. I saw a great video of um, I think it was one where Rafa sort of made the breakaway, and it's sort of above Rafa sort of said Rafa's top speed, and then you see Peter Musa, this big lank like lanky fella, and um, Running as fast as him to sort of, even faster, just to sort of catch up with him and get himself into the box and get that, uh, get his goal, um, which was you know a little clumsy finish and as 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 was the second goal. But um, I don't want to discredit him. You know, I think he's he's been he's been good when he's taken his opportunities when he's been given given them. And it, it, you know, he, he could be another interesting player next season when if Ramos makes the move, what, what Benfica decide to do, whether to stick with him or, or try and get someone else. Yeah, I think it's funny with 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 Muta, isn't it? Because he's obviously been pushing for that start, and then this is the game where Gonzalo Ramos gets his goal that will probably you know convince the manager to keep playing him, and then Musa comes on and gets two just to remind him that he's still there. Um, he deserves those goals, I think, because he, he's been playing well when he's been coming on. He's been given limited opportunities. Um, I think they were probably the two of the easiest goals he'll yeah. score this season uh, but he, in general he deserved it and I think his recent performances have shown that he's been good enough it's a funny one Barney I reckon Peter Musa starts for uh, all but four of, of the teams in, in this league and probably if he plays week in week out for all but the top four I reckon he gets 20 goals a season I think he, he looks really good that's my hot take for the episode <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was just interested. He said four teams there, but just yeah. <laughs> I don't think he starts. I don't think he starts with Braga. I would. I think Ruiz and and Banza are, uh, are sort of equal to it. That's my little caveat. Um, well, let's let's talk about another game, Barney. Let's go down to Porto next in second place. Um, obviously, again they played after Benfica this weekend. They would have seen that win. Uh, and they would have known what it meant for for their own title hopes, their slim title hopes. They they needed a win to keep themselves mathematically in the race. They didn't start off to plan though. Uh, they played Casapia, and it was Casapia who went one nil up at the Dragao thanks to an Evan Ilson own goal in the first half. But it was a second half comeback which included a stoppage time winner from Danny Namaso, who saw them take all three points uh, and kept their title race alive for another week. Mentally, Barney, I think they can take this result as a positive because to find that desire and that hunger inside them to still go out and win this game, despite having seen Benfica win and despite knowing what that kind of means for their season, I personally would, would take that as a positive for, for Porto. Yes. I think, I think you have to, it's been, yeah, really to kind of sound Porto's credit that they've been so positive and, and like you say, just keep, keep, grinding out these results to, to keep them within touching distance of Benfica. You know, even when we get closer to the end of the season, it's there's less and less games for them to, to overturn the 
the four points. There's something that you've been saying. You know, you haven't been you, you yourself haven't been impressed with Porto for a while now. And you know, I think to be fair to Casa Pia, they were they were the better team in the first half. You know, they had a few good chances. Um, Savio Godwin seems to really take advantage of um, Pepe Aquino playing right back. You know, I think uh, Pepe was caught out of position several times. There was acres of space for them to to run into. Um, uh, you, you know, you could sum us up a couple of chances that they they should have perhaps done better with. Um, and so for them to go into the half at half time one and up, I thought was probably fair at that point. Um, but like you said, they that they, Porto just they got themselves back in it, and I was I saw at the end of the game, like you know, Danny Lamasso got man of the match for his uh, partly due to his his, his late winner. Um, Gabriel Veron was given is it MVP? I'm still a bit confused by that word, but you know, highlighted as a a player who was important in this match, and I I think that's really interesting because I, when I saw that those two players were the the ones getting the three points for Porto at this crucial stage of the season. I, I wanted to sort of have a make a point of saying like why haven't these players been used more? Um, you know, and then I wanted to dive into Porto's uh negative results of the season, which which have seen them uh, be four points behind Benfica and, and try and highlight the fact that these players weren't involved. Uh, however, that <laughs> when I went back and saw looked at it, um Daniel Mass actually started in their 2-1 loss to Gilles Vicent. And Gabriel Verón started in their 0-0 draw uh, with Casapia earlier on in the season, which, which for me is sort of the, the two most recent damning results for, for Porto. But I know I've just completely contradicted myself there, but I, I, I do think there's, that's a, it highlights an interesting thing with Conchasau and, and, and the fringe players of his squad. You know, I think those two players suffered from from the, those results and, and, and haven't been given enough of a chance. And... To circle back to the, your, your original point you've made a while about Porto not being good, I think what Namasa has shown and Gabriel Veron showed showed in this game is that there are players who can offer something different. And I think Conchita has been a little reluctant to use those players and, and perhaps been over harsh and sort of not putting them back into the team after those those bad results. But you know, I, I reckon others would disagree with me on that. But I, I, I still think these these two players were really good in this game, and and, and of course I'm so happy for Namasa to have got the winner and. And sort of should really, you know, show him once again what he can do. I think that's a really interesting point. Do you know what I've remembered as your Vicente game with Danny Namaso started? And I don't remember exactly, but I know that Porto went a man down and a goal behind, and Danny Namaso was taken off at half time. That's mm. what I remember. And it wasn't that, like you say, those two players, I think, have suffered from those results by not giving opportunities. I don't think it's a case of conscious out punishing those players but he clearly when he has to make sacrifices there is a hierarchy of players who will be sacrificed first and those new kids on the block are the first ones to be sacrificed so you know like you said I have been saying for a while that Porto haven't been playing well I haven't been impressed with them and I think conscious knows that as well that they've not been at their best and I think his mentality has changed from going out to attack games and get the results to almost like a siege mentality where he feels he has to grind out results. And when he does that, I think those players like Namaso, like Gabriel Veron, are the players that he won't put into those games to start because he will start those players that, even if they're not in best form, I'm thinking about Evan Nilsson, perhaps have been there longer and that he trusts more, or perhaps that he feels approved. I think that's the, the mentality of, of Porto. I think we summed it up quite well on last week's podcast, but I'll reiterate the point. 
Conchasau is building a team this season or has built a team this season that is grinding out results, essentially, rather than the kind of the team that went out to attack and kill teams from the beginning of the season before, because I don't think he feels he has the players to do that. Um, this game, I think, it was a it was a massive moment for for, for the master to get that goal. Um, you know, on the one hand, I'm, I'm kind of contradicting myself because on the one hand, I do believe that the title race is over. I've been saying that for weeks. I don't think Porto have a chance to win the title. With two games left and being four points behind, obviously we can't say anything until it's mathematically declared, but I think they are out of the title race. And I think a player like Danny to come into the game because they're drawing 1-1 and that puts them six points behind with two games to go. That's it. It's over. For him to get that goal to keep them in the title race, I think that that is still a big moment for the player. Um, it's a funny one. It does kind of bring me on to something I wanted to talk to you about, though, which was the the scenes on the Porto bench, perhaps at the end of the game, because for the second week in a row, Sergio Costa-Sales' behaviour on the touchline has, has been making headlines for some, shall we say, exuberant, celebrations, perhaps antagonistic celebrations towards his opposition uh, counterparts um, at a key moment of the game. In this case, a late winner. Now, it's funny because there's been there's been a lot of opinions flying around online. I think Zach Lowy was very clear in his opinion of Conchasau. He said quite uh, openly that he thinks Conchasau lets himself down with this type of behaviour. Um even Tom Kundak commented on it, and Tom is like quite a um, not neutral, but he he's, he's quite um, a reserved in his opinions. But even he felt the need to kind of say that Conchasau has gone too far with his antics. In general, Barney, I am an I am a Conchasau apologist. I am a shithouser apologist. I I like these guys, and I like I enjoy these antics. I like a bit of drama. I like a bit of chaos, um, and I also think that. The, this type of behaviour is what makes Constantel who he is. And if you take that out of him, I think he loses something as a manager in terms of perhaps his ability to motivate a team, his ability to galvanise a dressing room, his ability to create an us-against-them mindset. The problem that I have, though, is that for me, there is a time and a place. And I think when you get the time and place wrong, you go from looking like a kind of maverick character who would die for his club, just looking like a bit of a prick. And I think at the end of the game, he he got it completely wrong because he's shouting and screaming, jumping up and down, gesturing towards the Kazapir, um box. They may well have given it back to him, right? They may well have done that. I totally accept that. The, the fourth official has to get in the way and, and, and push him back. The thing I would say to Contrasau in that moment is just ask yourself, what are you celebrating in this moment, mate? You have just scored a late goal against Kazapia. You were losing at home to Kazapia. Kazapia, a team with probably 10%, if we're being generous, of your resources. They were beating you 1-0 at home and you've just managed to scrape a win to achieve what? So that you don't lose the title this week, but you're going to lose it next week anyway, but you're jumping down, jumping up and down on the title, giving it to your opposition number. Celebrating what, mate? You, you, you just lost. Just take a breath, man. Sit down and relax. I thought he got it wrong. I thought it was the wrong time, the wrong place. I love him. Um, I will defend him most times, but mate, I think he got this bang wrong.
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Robert. And I, you know, what I think ultimately what it was is it's a sort of a release of his frustrations. And, and you know, Casapia, I think uh, they, like we mentioned, they 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 frustrated Porto early in the season with the nil nil draw. And actually, to sort of move the conversation on to Casapia, but I think one of their strengths this season has been their performances against the the, the top clubs and sort of keeping themselves in those games. I think they the heaviest defeat. All season was it was a three 0 loss to Benfica, but you know when they've they've they also lost to Benfica one nil, uh, lost to uh, beat Braga one nil, uh, like I mentioned drew Porto. In all their games, you know they they've um, be against the big clubs or the small clubs. You know they they've they've always been in it. They've always had a chance and they've kept themselves tight and they defended well. And and I think you know when you look at some of the results the big teams have got against some of the other clubs in this league this season, we've seen a lot of six nil, four nil, five nils. You know, I think that's quite mm-hmm. admirable that Casapia have managed to go all season with their heaviest defeat being the one off three 0 one to Benfica. Otherwise, it's been by a margin of one or two goals. And I, I think to sort of round that up, really to talk, to talk about the defence, which I've, I've been a big fan of, but Batista in goal has been, you know, he was he was great in this game. He's been very good for them all season. Um, a player that's been with them for a little while as well, uh, real experience, and um, yeah, it's it's. I think, I think we, you know, no matter what happens to Casapia, you know, whether they they push for the European spots or not, we we've definitely got to look back and and really appreciate the job that um, Felipe Martins has done at that club because they're they're a good team, they're well, uh, you know, who could give any anyone a, a good game. I think you know they've got that sort of organization and and, and management. Yeah, it it, it was the, one of their best performances in recent weeks because they've 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 suffered in recent weeks. You know, the, the season's caught up with them. They've not had great results. Um, they looked more like their old selves, didn't they? Which was which was quite nice. It was quite nice to see, as you say, Savior Godwin having a lot of joy down the left left hand side. Um, they looked pretty solid, pretty decent on the counter attack. Um, some of the, you know the Porto goals were. Were, were kind of goal line scrambles, and you can imagine being that defender thinking, "Oh, we've worked so hard, and 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 we've held on." I think in both cases it was almost like a a fortunate drop. The ball fell quite nicely to Porto, although a, a Porto fan in their defence would say, "Well, you make your own luck by applying the pressure on." And you know, I think the considering the 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 time that the winner went in stoppage time, I think it was like the ninety second minute. I think those Casapia players probably would have left the pitch feeling. Uh, Feeling a little bit like they they just dropped two points. Well, look, the drama this weekend continued uh, at the quarry as Braga took on Santa Clara. Santa Clara, of course, riding high off the back of their first league win of 2023. Um, it was a game I thought Bayern that started fairly predictably, as I would have predicted. Braga scored three goals in the first half. They did concede to. We might come on to this in more detail. In my opinion, one of the softest penalties given in the league this year. Um, but they were cruising through the game. They cruised through the first hour of the match um, until a penalty given to Santa Clara. Fair penalty gives them a second goal. And then something that I never thought I would see in Portugal, Barney, an 85th minute header, a header scored directly from a long throw in. I had to rub my eyes to make sure I wasn't watching Sunday League. Um, the Asaurians, they were they were so close to getting a draw. Um, it was they they fought back to get that 3-3, but Braga refound their room. They scored two late goals uh, and it ended 5-3 to Braga. I feel a little bit sorry for Santa Clara because they gave a good go of it in the second half, but again I think they were really quite poor 
throughout most of the game. Um, and I think not being able to see out the draw, I think that really sums up where this team is at the moment. Uh, they've been so confusing. Albert. Like they've suddenly just turned, you know, their performances have ramped up a level, haven't they? I mean, um, we've got to give credit to the Babbies that three penalties in two games now he's put away. You know, he's he's done well. It was um, Gabriel Silva who got the assist with the long throw. You know, a player that we... Uh, Back in you know January February was a sort of a, a real shiny light in the centre card team who I, I thought was looking particularly good, but perhaps his, his form dr- drifted to, towards uh, in, in recent months. Um, but look, I think if, to focus on Braga for a little bit, but I think this game sort of is a, is a perfect representation of where Braga are because we've ultimately been really really positive about Braga all season and, and rightly so. And, and but look, their their attack has been. Amazing, you know. I I think the, the Ricardo Horta, of course, it's been it's been phenomenal. Um, Abel Ruiz has has quietly been, I think, really really good. Uh, perhaps a striker that's gone on the limelight in this league, or we ha- we certainly haven't given enough focus on. Um, Jeffrey Brumer who's, has to be January signing, uh, or potentially even I meant signing of the season. Although I haven't thought too much about that uh, comment, um, but uh, but. The point I'm making is, you know, that the attack's been great, but I think defensively, or although they've improved, you know, near Cate has been great. Um, some real power and aggression is his goal, by the way, you know, and he, that's the couple now he's scored in, in, in recent weeks. But there's still the defense is the area that they'll need to improve on next season, right? If they're able to keep their midfield together, their their, their attack together, that will be the area, the, the, the area that they, they they need to make some adjustments because if we're looking at the sort of nitty gritty and, and, and the, the, you know, the, the numbers and the difference between them and also in Benfica, it, it is the, the goals they've conceded, you know, they've been excellent scoring goals. That's, that's no problem. They've scored more goals than Porto, but you know, they, they've, they've shipped in a few more goals uh, than those two. And that, that's where they need to improve. Uh, but look, Hey, I'm, I'm being perhaps, I'm trying to find, areas to be negative about because like mm. I said they've been they've been great all season and I think this was a you know this is a this is a really enjoyable game you know and, and they, they that's one thing we can we cannot deny is that they, they've given us some good football to watch this year no they're, they're brilliant and I think they're, they're they're scoring at a rate that only Benfica can compete with you know it's another five goals in this game it's funny that you mentioned the defense I mean because on paper I think Nikate for me has been one of the best defenders in the league this season. Um, and even uh, Victor Gomez, our right-back, I think has been, I think for me, probably the best right-back in the league. I think he's been excellent. So there is talent in that defence. And Mateus in goal has been excellent. But like you say, perhaps there are just a, a couple of holes in that defence, maybe at maybe at left-back, maybe at right-centre-back. Although Tomane has been uh, had his moments. Um, another important win, though, similar to Benfica, it puts them one win away from from their objective qualifying for the Champions League for next season. Four points ahead of Sporting, which means all they need to do is match Sporting's result. Next game, of course, Sporting playing Benfica uh, and they'll secure third place. The way that they're playing, though, I, I have to agree with you. When they look back on this season, what they've achieved, when it looks like they're nailed on for third, I think... Uh, they will look back on this season and, and it will be with acknowledgement of what an incredible season they, they've had. Um, Santa Clara, Barney, I think we have to talk about them a little bit. 
uh, it's funny because I was I was chatting to the guys from the Portugal Corner before the show. Um, they were asking for questions for their podcast. I put out a simple question to them. Are Santa Clara the worst team to ever score three goals in a game? Um, I think credit to them because they did score three, but it was arguably three of the worst goals scored this season. The first penalty should never have been a penalty. I think is it Pedrinho who sort of stumbles and falls over his own th- feet. Um, second, okay, fair play, was a penalty. You've got to score it, and he does. And then the third goal, like I said, that header direct from a long throw-in was just, you know, I couldn't believe what I, what I was seeing. If I was a Santa Clara fan right now, I'm not sure how I'd feel. I think I would be really angry because it's all well and good showing this kind of fight now, you know, to score three goals at a Braga stadium in a game where you're desperate for wins is incredible. But where was this kind of fight? Where was this kind of performance for the last few months? They have been absolutely dreadful. And and even if they win their next two games, they've just been absolutely terrible. I think there's a little bit Albert, of um, relief in uh, some of their players. You know, we've got Liga de Asua. There's a lot of lone players from Brazil, uh, players who, you know, will know that, that this team's getting relegated. They're not going to be there next season. You know, they can sort of just uh, do what they want, perhaps. That they, you know, I'm looking at players like uh, like, like Babi and Gabriel Silva, who um, uh, seem to write MT as well, um, uh, who's been sort of more of a midfielder, but has been filling at left back in recent games. You know, he's actually looks okay and a player with uh, he's got a bit of quality about him. So I think I think that that there's certainly those sort of elements coming through into this team. You know, there's there's um, just you know, <laughs> I can quite easily imagine you know some of them just like. Getting their instructions and be like, "All right, mate. Yeah, we'll just. Oh, I was just going to do what I, I, I want." So I reckon that that's what we're perhaps seeing in some of their that the, the, some of those players. Uh, yeah, they're, they're it's all but done now, isn't it? I think that the the, the I think we're just waiting to say that they'll they'll be going down. And it, you know, what, it'll be interesting to see what happens to that club. Albert. you know, that we we it wasn't too long ago we were praising their recruitment their, their their scouting network you know some of the players they've brought in from uh not only brazil but japan as well you know they they they, they had interesting players it's it but, but it obviously hasn't worked at all this season so yeah well, what happens to this club uh it'll be interesting to see next year definitely one to keep an eye on um another game barney another mad game from this weekend uh, saw Sporting take on Maritimo. Maritimo, obviously still fighting for their survival, still tantalisingly, mathematically possible for them to survive. Um, great attitude from them in this game. I thought they went 1-0 ahead, but it was a second-half comeback from Sporting, which saw them get a 2-1 win. Of course, that drama that I'm alluding to came from uh, a late Maritimo equaliser, which was ruled out by the linesman for a foul, but then the on-field referee overruled this decision and gave the goal before finally VAR then overruled that to disallow the goal again. Chaos ensued. It resulted in Antonio Adan being sent off and one of the most incredible sights of the season, uh, Paulinho going in goal. It was funny to watch. But ultimately, it was a bit of a shambles caused by the referee. You have to say, I don't know what you made of the incident. I just, I'd love to. He just sort of stuck with his guns, man, and, and <laughs> let the goal stand. Um, I, I think, yeah, the 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 
Nuno Santos went down quite easy. It could well have been a foul. Could have well gone either way, you know. But I, I just love the drama, man. I thought it was great. And Brian Rascos getting the goal. I'm never against that. <laughs> and obviously, I would have liked Paulinho to have done had to have done a bit more in goal. That would have been more interesting to see. Made one good save, 100 percent save. <laughs> Wasn't that a head home? I don't know. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we when we talked about Maritimo uh, last few months when they've been really tr- trying to get themselves out of the relegation zone. Um, we've talked about them sort of getting ahead early and not being able to hold on. And although this was what how this game panned out, but I thought they actually did it a lot better in this game. You know, they really frustrated Sporting. Um, they they really made them have to work and be patient and, and keep trying and trying. Um, and ultimately, it it, it, it fell for them nicely. Um, you know, Quasas getting the goal. Uh, as well, it was a it was a huge moment. Um. But this is, you know, this is this is the thing we've seen from Sporting a few times. You know that that the when they are faced against a team who are just completely blocking out that in the pitch, they they do struggle to to work out what to do, especially when there's no opportunity to sort of catch teams on the break or you know in those transitions and, and hit them quickly. That that's that's how Sporting want to play. But when they're faced with this this wall of red, um, they they really struggle to break them down. And and yeah, it was uh. And I mentioned the Quattas goal. You know, that was I think that was quite big for him to to get because I, I put I put goal goal down to his his mistake. You know he he got turned by uh, I think it was Correa or Vidigal, sorry, and 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 that opened up space for Costa uh, to to get the goal, and, and it was a good finish by him. But I I think when that mistake happened and and, and how the game panned out and then like I said how, how they just couldn't find a way it. I was sort of in a point where I was like, Quattas is done. You know, def- thinking about his performances this season, it 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 just seems to be the the beginning of the end for him. You know, especially when you've seen some of the other players coming up. But St. Juicers look great. You know, you think of that um, amazing sprint back against Arsenal in the Europa League. You know, Diamande, how good he is on the ball. It, it, similar to you know how Anastasia was in his. His peak and you know when he was tearing it up and Quattas just seems to be this old guard now in that that sporting team who just seems that little bit off the pace you know it's, it seems like everyone's got ahead of him so I was happy he got the goal you know he obviously will be as well because he you know he's had, he's got huge goals for them in the past you know he's he's been a, such a good player for them but it just felt like you know it, it feels like this that his time in that sporting back line is, is coming to an end. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it happens to the best of us. I and mean, he's been a great servant to that club, but um, he's not immune from a passing of time, as is any player. Um, I liked the way Marita were played in this game, and 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 they've shown this kind of character, this kind of fight um, for a little while. But you know, not getting any reward. There's no point reward praising a good performance at this stage of the season when what they need is points uh, on the table. I really liked the goal that they got. That's the way I think Maritimo should be playing, you know, kind of pressuring the loose ball and, and and trying to get those quick counter-attacks or, you know, trying to make opportunities when, you know, sniffing out opportunities when they're there and really pushing for them. Um, but listen, maybe on another day they could have got a goal. I have to say, just my opinion, I did think it was a foul on Nuno Santos was, for the goal. I was going to ask you. I did think, I did think. So I know on Twitter, everyone kind of wanted Maritimo to get the goal. I think a lot of people who aren't sporting fans are kind of 
enjoying sporting messing up you know i i had a little bit of a laugh at their expense you know when they went one nil down i sort of said i think this is the most sporting thing to happen is them being one nil down at home against maritimo but on balance like you said i would just reiterate i would just sort of agree with what you said they were made to work hard for this result but credit to them because they got the result and i think it was deserved win all right well let's look a little bit further down the table barney and talk about Shavs versus Pastor Ferreira. Um, a very good win for Shavs in their race for Europe. 2-0 they beat Passos and it left them two points off of Aruka, albeit Aruka are playing tonight. So they have a game in hand. Passos needed to win this game, no question about it, as they've needed to win every game for pretty much the last five or six. Uh, if they were going to give themselves any chance of that relegation playoff spot, but it just seems like maybe they cannot catch a break at the moment. Um, it was a very positive start to the game. I thought they were arguably the better team in the first half. But late into the first half, Paolo Bernardo gets himself a second yellow card and they have to play the rest of the game with 10 men. Obviously, it's a different game when you've got 10 men on the pitch and Charles were able to take advantage and took all three points in the end. I just can't quite work out whether I still feel sorry for Passos in a way that everything's going against them. You know, we had that whole issue with Marathona last game where he, he, they somehow inexplicably managed to score an own goal. This this game, they get the players sent off when they've been playing well. Do I feel sorry for them or am I annoyed at them? Are they are they archety- architects of their own downfall? Well, Albert, it was, um, it was only a few weeks ago we were talking about Holesgrove in the exact same situation, like getting yeah, a second just true. before half-time. Um and, and you know, and once again, Paolo Bernardo's been good for them. Uh, you know, since he arrived in January on loan from Benfica, you know, some some massive goals. It's just so unfortunate what's happened, isn't it? Like it, it, you almost feel like they didn't deserve it, but you know, you can't really. Uh, similar to Holesgrove, I thought these were, you know, these could have both easily been yellow cards. I had no sort of real issue with with those with the decisions. Um, so yeah, it's just. I mean, and also, Butzka had a fantastic opportunity early on. You know that mm. sort of the keeper parried and it fell right into his path, and he just headed wide. And I think out of all, all the teams at the bottom, you know, passers do seem to be the the most unlucky, the most calamitous. You know, things just it always seem to go wrong. I know we've talked about some of Marito's defensive issues and Santa Clara just being a shambles, but there's something about this passers team that just feels like mm. things just do not seems to go their way ever and it's so unfortunate I mean I maintain that Passos have got the best squad out of those three teams in the bottom three I think they've probably got the best starting 11 as well but like you say it, it just seems like after that dreadful start to the season that they've had they've just been playing catch up the whole time and that additional layer of pressure and desperation which comes with them just having to win there's no two ways about it. They have to win. I think that is kind of a tough thing for players to deal with when they're on the pitch. And, you know, those mistakes that we're seeing, these these unnecessary yellow cards that these players are picking up, I think a lot of that is down to that extra layer of pressure that this team has on them where they go into every game knowing that they have to win. And they didn't win this one. And they're currently three points off the relegation playoff spot. So with two games to go, of course, they can still achieve that. But, I felt like there was a kind of definitiveness to this to this loss, um, which, you know, I don't want to say it, but it did feel like a, a loss that 
condemn them to relegation, although we will see what the next two games has in store. Um, but we have, we've got to give a lot of credit to Shavs Barney because they've been on an incredible run of form recently. They've won four wins in their last five games. They're unbeaten in six games. They're climbing up the table. They went under the radar for me in the first half of the season, but what they're doing now is so, so impressive. They've been so consistent. Uh, Visa Campelos has... As soon as we just discussed with Casapir, you know he's put he's put together a really competitive team. They've carried through a lot of their traits that saw them do so well last season and getting promoted. Um, there's a real solidity at the back. You know, they, they look at the experience of Steve Vittoria, uh, Ponk, and, uh, and Nelson Mont, uh, and then you have Bruno Langer at left back, who's been a real, uh, you know, what did you say, box to box defender, but what, what maybe marauding. Marauding wing backs to the right one. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> and then and then you look further into the midfield, you've got the the sort of the magic of Jao Shashere and then you put the solidity of Obiora, the the, the goals one of the goals the, the two goal scorers in this game. Um they've done extremely well and and it's it's I I, I like the system they play, you know, with wingers and the one striker, uh but also in, trying to get wingers coming inside and, and the fullbacks getting forward and uh, offering the whiff, it's it's just uh, it all works so well. Um, apart, I know we talk about Jaltek Sherry, like, otherwise, you know, the, the, there's no real stars, I would say. There's just a lot of really good, solid players. Um, yeah, they, they've been brilliant, they've had, a, they've had a, a fantastic season. And you know what, Barn, they, they could well be rewarded for, for that end of the season. You know, there are only three points, two or three points, obviously, as we say, Aruka still playing tonight, but they're not far off Europe and. They could finish in in sixth place, which I think would be an incredible achievement. And you know, I, I love Aruka. I want them to to do well, but I think you have to say, given the way they're ending the season, if Shavs was to nick that spot, you couldn't begrudge them it, could you? Because you know the form that they've been in, the way they've been playing. You know, they beat Benfica recently. That they've been fantastic. So you would be really, really uh, hard pressed to find someone who would begrudge them that that last European spot. Well, that's that's really interesting, isn't it? Because we we saw the news this week um, that uh, the club announced uh, that they would not be registering themselves for uh, to be able to play in Europe next season, um, which is a a really interesting decision to announce, especially as it one they haven't been confirmed in one of those spots yet, although they could well be. But two, because. On the surface, it seems like a crazy thing to do, right? You're, you're denying your club the opportunity to play in Europe and you know, with all its glamour. But I think, in my opinion, I actually have come around to the thinking that it's the, it's a smart decision. You know, we've seen um, the likes of Pastor Ferreira, as you sent, both fail in their Europa Conference League qualification. And, and what those the, the, the qualification games do is they give you Potentially, was it the passers have like six, six games to play in the summer, you know, all and not just games which are sort of in neighbouring Spain or, or England. You know, there's there were some games that were well out in Europe, and that of course comes with a lot of travel, which you, you don't have to fund and, and pay for. It's a sad situation, but like I said, Albert, it, I think it's the right one, and, and and that shouldn't be the case. You know, these clubs should be better supported to to feel that that they can go and. And and try and do something and and, and earn Portugal coefficient points, right? That's that's the, the the whole thing that we all want to see. But Shavs have been, I think, smart and clever in realizing that this is actually a, perhaps a headache they don't want to have. You know, 
it's it, there's also a pattern of teams who get into Europe having their their squad gutted and then perhaps a new manager as well and then what you're doing you're, you're completely starting again so it's a it was a surprise announcement it's a it's a negative announcement um but I'm, but I ultimately think it's it's the right call from chefs to to make that decision well, I appreciate you bringing that up, Bonnie, because I apologise. I can, that completely slipped my mind, of course. That news came out that they are going to turn down that European spot, should they get it. The one thing I'll just add, because I think you, that was really eloquently put, the one thing I'll just add is there's a lot of opinions flying around about that from people who don't know the club and aren't invested in the club. Um, we tried to speak to a Shavs fan about this, and we we spoke to the guy who does the Coluna, Coluna Azulagrena, account the Shavs fan account on Twitter about why he thought um they weren't they they weren't going to take this European spot and I think he was he just had those concerns like the club does that the costs involved with trying to enter this competition the demands it would take on their stadium upgrades I think they had to pay for all kinds of like stadium upgrades um you know all of the kind of pressure and costs involved in what would ultimately probably be quite a futile um expedition in Europe uh, I think he would worry about the the effects that would have on the club long term so if that's coming from the fans and, and you know these are people that have the club's best interest at heart I think the rest of us as football fans kind of have to trust that um, they know what they're talking about more than the rest of us and like you say on the, on the surface of it surely every fan would want their club to play in Europe but if you've got the, the long-term stability of your club at heart then perhaps it is the right decision. And look, who knows, maybe in another series, season's time, when the club's in a much stronger position, they'll be able to go into Europe and, and, and really attack it. But it seems to be suggesting that they're not quite ready to do that yet. Well, look, let's do one last game, Barney. And it might seem strange at this point in the season to choose a game between two clubs with nothing to play for. But I did just want to touch on Gilles Vicente versus Bervista. Um, as it ended 3-1 to Gilles Vicente and gave them their first win in nine games. In that time, they lost to the likes of Santa Clara last weekend, Estoril, Portimonens, amongst others. So this was the perfect way to bounce back from that loss to Santa Clara last week. Not just with a win, but with what I thought was a really, really good performance from players that looked motivated, that had the right attitude and went out and got a deserved result. Yeah, it's it's and and yet nothing's changed. You know, this is the same eleven that turned out last week. Um, it's uh, it just it all it all, it all clicks. Um, it, it was it was the, the performance we sort of been expecting from them for a while. Obviously, great for Navarro to get his two goals. Um, they I feel like that suddenly puts him back in the shop window, which I'd sort of taken <laughs> out of it. Is his barren run in the in the the last was it twelve or so games? You know, we saw the best of uh, Mario Souza on on the right on the right hand side. Um, you know, he we've I've I know he's always had that sort of performance in his locker, but I feel like we perhaps haven't seen that in, in a little while. Um, and uh, Ushier on the left hand side, I know you praised last week, and that's sort of a player that I. Because he sort of comes in and out of the team, I sort of forget how how good he is, and uh, you know he's he's a really tidy little player. And look, they would have perhaps thought that, that, that there was there was goals to get against Bovis. You know, as 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 good as they've been at sort of getting results and sort of keeping themselves out of danger this season, you know they they they're still a little sloppy at the back. Um, 
so yeah, this was a this is a good good performance as you're saying, and a, a good a good way to sort of get get their season, also their season back on track. But you know, just get some get some good feelings back in that club because it's been a it's been a long old uh, time without them having much joy. Well, you know what I think you said. You know, I said the two teams were having something to play for, but maybe Gilvesent did have something to play for, even if it was just pride, because I think you know that team will will, will have been disappointed with how poor they've been, and their reputations have suffered. You know, this is a team that we hold to quite a high regard. Daniel Souza is a manager that came in and, and would have enjoyed, I'm sure, making an impact on the league in the way that he did with those great early results that he that he got. Um, and I think if they really ended the season on a whimper, I think it would have damaged a lot of those players' reputations. So, yeah, I really feel like this was a team fighting for pride uh, and to end the season well. And Barney, how good was it to see Kanya Fujimoto assisting a goal for Fran Navarro? I was watching it thinking, yes, this is what we want. This is what we've come to expect from Gilles Bessent. I need it. We haven't seen it in such a long time. Yeah, I mean, it uh, just make thinks you reminds you of the good times, that was, isn't it? The, the good old days. percent <laughs> bringing the good times back. <laughs> so that's long may it continue. All right, Barney. Well, let's leave it there for this week's podcast. But before we go, as the listeners will know by now, we love to end the show with our favourite section of the podcast, which is of course leaving you with a game recommendation that we think you could watch. And of course, there is only one game to recommend. It's the big one, the derby, the game we've all been waiting for. Aruka versus Shavas, Saturday at 3.30. Oh, Albert, <laughs> you got it so wrong. <laughs> what do you mean? It's probably the most long ball football game of the season. Um, <laughs> should be on Monday night, it feels. Uh, but it's not. It's at the same time. Santa Clara Porto Men's. Oh, here we go. <laughs> All right, listeners. I apologise. The joke's gone too far. Of course, on Sunday at eight thirty, you have Sporting versus Benfica, the Lisbon derby, the game in which Benfica could win the title in their neighbour's backyard. Of course, we don't need to recommend that game to you. Eight thirty p.m. on Sunday. It is the occasion of the season so far. We know you'll all be there. We'll be watching live as well. But in all seriousness, Barney, if the listeners wanted another game perhaps to watch uh, this weekend, I would personally still recommend that Aruka versus Shavas game. And for good reason, because this is two teams fighting for that sixth place spot. Um, Aruka not in the best form, Shavas in great form. I think that could be a really good little game. Well, I'll, I'll stick with mine out with Santa Clara Portman ends. <laughs> but look, honestly, man, this is a, this is a, Excellent weekend of football. No, it really is. It really is. I mean, I don't want to just list off every game, but I mean, come on. Burvis de Braga, Famigal Porto, Vittoria de Vicent, Casa Piestro, Passos Real. I mean, there's, those are all competitive games. Like, you know, yeah, I really, I'm really happy with that. And it's the the weekend you let me loose on Twitter. So we'll see, <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh looks like a fantastic weekend of Premier League of football. And of course, uh sod's law that it's a weekend that I'm away on holiday. So if you see any dodgy tweets on the uh Lumball Football Twitter account, it's because uh a sleep deprived Barney has been let loose at the uh at the controls. But look, there's so many great games this weekend, two games to go for the rest of the season. You know, Santa Clara could be relegated, Passos could be relegated this weekend. Benfica could win the title, you know, 
Braga confirmed a Champions League. So much is going to be decided. This really feels like a definitive weekend in the Primera Liga. And of course, we will be back next week with another podcast to round up all the action. So don't go anywhere. Um, if you want to support the show, if you've enjoyed listening, there are a few ways that you can do that. And the main way that you can do that is by becoming a long ball football socio on our new Patreon page for £1 a month. Um, we're running a weekly predictions league over on the Patreon. It's a lot of fun. There's going to be some other big perks coming up towards the end of the season. A couple which we can't announce yet because they're still uh, being planned. But the big ones will be, of course, our end of season shows, our end of season awards, our team of the season. All of those episodes will be dropped early on the Patreon. Uh, so make sure you're signed up there if you want to get first access to those. Of course, if you just want to leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts or a starring or Spotify, that would be great. Or even just sending the podcast to a friend that you think would enjoy it is another great way that you can support the show. But look, that just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week. Yes, next week.